You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. All right. Today's Locked On Kings podcast was supposed to be all about part two of my conversation with Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, but last night, Marvin Bagley decided to change some things and like some things on social media. And now it has Kings fans, NBA Twitter, in my opinion, far too many people in an uproar. I can't ignore it as much as I want to, so we'll talk about it. And yes, you will still hear part two of my conversation with Raphael. We're going to talk a lot about the possibility of the Kings using this number nine pick potentially in a trade, maybe in a trade package involving Marvin Bagley. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. My name is Matt. George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years, nearly seven years now, and I'm looking forward to season number eight, covering the Kings both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. But I'm not really looking forward to the start of this Locked on Kings podcast here today. I'm not looking forward to spending time on social media drama. And it's unfortunately not the first, certainly won't be the last time that I'll talk about social media drama when it surrounds the Sacramento Kings here on the Locked On Kings podcast. In fact, had very similar conversations about what's happening right now all the way back in last offseason when we saw Buddy Heald getting loose on social media, deciding to like pictures of himself in a Philadelphia 76ers uniform and subtly suggest that he was interested in a trade and wanted out of Sacramento. Now Buddy Heald has been replaced by Marvin Bagley who in the last 12 hours or so decided to like a tweet that said we need to get Marvin Bagley out of Sacramento, which, by the way, was a response to a tweet or was a quote tweet of a tweet that showed uh, or that talked about the 2018 NBA draft class being the greatest of all time except for one guy. Yeah, Marvin Bagley, the only one really from the top of that class who hasn't lived up to that draft class. You have DeAndre Ayton hitting game winners in the Western Conference Finals. You have Trey Young dropping nearly 50 in the Eastern Conference Finals. You have Luka Doncic putting up MVP caliber numbers. And then there's Marvin Bagley, who can't stay on the floor. And on top of liking that tweet, he decided to remove Sacramento Kings from his bio on both Twitter and Instagram. The way I started talking about and getting involved in those conversations and interactions last night and the way it ended were completely different sides of the spectrum because I started actually pointing out Marvin's flaws. I started where a lot of people are today saying how in the world can Bagley, his family, his camp, fans, anybody blame the Sacramento Kings and the Kings alone for Marvin Bagley's struggles to this point? How is it possible 
that the Kings are to blame for a player who has spent more time on the injury list than he has on the floor. How is it possible the Kings are to blame for that? Now, the Kings are certainly to blame for making the wrong pick in 2018, for drafting Marvin Bagley instead of Luka or Trey. That is certainly on Sacramento and on Vlade Divac, who is no longer the general manager of the Kings. That's not on Marvin. But Marvin's inability to stay healthy, I don't even know how much I blame him for it. I'm not going to really say that's his fault. It's not his fault that he had his hand broken by DeAndre Ayton, slapping at the ball, trying to come up with a steal. That he had his back hurt from falling down going for a rebound. That he broke his foot or injured his ankle landing on a foot of a teammate in practice. These things just happen. That's not necessarily his fault, but it certainly as hell is not the King's fault. And I would understand, potentially, if Bagley and his camp were to try to blame the Sacramento Kings training staff, but at the same time, too, we're not talking about reoccurring injuries here. It's not like the training staff is forcing Marvin Bagley to continue to play on a bad knee that continues to be injured. We're talking about separate injuries, one after another, after another, after another, after another, that have nothing to do with one another. How can the training staff prevent that other than wrapping you in bubble wrap? I don't know how anybody can look at this situation, look at Marvin Bagley's career over the last three years, unless you're just completely blind to reality and logic, which there are some people in Bagley's camp who clearly are, and say, this is all because of Sacramento. And if Marvin had been drafted anywhere else or gone anywhere else, his health struggles would have magically gone away. He would have stayed healthy and turned into the superstar that many believed he could be when drafted number two overall. But somehow people think like that. That's how I started the night, pointing that out, defending the Kings. And then by the end of the night, I was defending Marvin, but not for the reasons that people might think. It's not defending Marvin's actions. Because yes, it is childish for Marvin to go on social media and do the things that he did last night. In the grand scheme of things, it's so petty and it's so lame and it's so stupid to talk about and care so much about, but this is the era of social media, so people pay attention to this crap. And Marvin knows damn well what he's doing. There is not any way, shape, or form that Marvin is doing this on accident and didn't realize the message that he was sending. He knows exactly what he's doing. The problem is... Marvin might not understand, or maybe he doesn't care, what he's doing, if he truly wants out of Sacramento, is hurting him more than anybody else. So there's two sides to the coin here. The one side is all of the stuff that Marvin Bagley is to blame for and all the stuff that is on him and him alone and nobody else. But the other side of it is I don't blame Marvin one bit for wanting out of Sacramento. I don't blame Marvin one bit for wanting a fresh start after his first three years in the league. I probably would want a fresh start too if I was in his position. Now, of course, I do have a problem with the way he's going about it, as do many fans. But at the same time too, what are we doing here? Why are we freaking out and being so riled up and getting so upset over the changing of a Twitter bio and the liking of tweets? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything. Sacramento is still in control. And last I checked, the guy who is making the basketball decisions, Monty McNair, he has no horse in this race. He had nothing to do with the Marvin Bagley selection. He is not responsible for that at all, period. So if he wants to move on from Marvin Bagley, he can. If he wants to keep Marvin Bagley, he can. 
It's not his ass that's over the flames. That guy's already gone, but is still being paid by the organization, by the way. I just think it's interesting that people have such a problem, and I know he's an athlete compared to fans, although I don't use that as an excuse anymore on social media. If everybody wants to have a voice, then you know what? All your voices are going to be treated equally here because that's what so many people want on social media, their voice to be equal with everybody else's. So be it. Why is it okay? Or why is it just acceptable Twitter culture and sports fan culture for Marvin to face three plus years and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of tweets calling him a bust, calling him soft, calling him injury prone, calling him a loser, comparing him and tagging him in everything Luka Doncic, DeAndre Ayton, or Trey Young do? Why should he face that? Why is it okay for him to face that? Plus a lot worse, by the way including things that were racial and just flat-out abusive. I've seen it. Why is it acceptable Twitter culture and sports fan culture, fans are going to be fans? Why is it normal or accepted for fans to act that way on social media, to say what they want without consequence, and approach Bagley in that way, to a point where multiple times in his career he's had to leave and turn off social media because it had an effect on his mental health? But when the guy decides to like a tweet and take the kings out of his bio, that's crossing the line. That's immature. That's childish. And he is to be ripped apart and to be blamed for that. I think that's ridiculous. So I'm not defending Marvin Bagley and the message he's trying to send. I think he's killing himself, and he and the rest of his team need to look themselves in the mirror and realize how responsible they are for all of their struggles to this point and how they're making their lives more difficult. They're not making the Kings' lives difficult. They're making their lives more difficult here. Plus, they're just being petty and ridiculous. I'm not defending that at all. But I am defending Marvin's right to go on social media and like what he wants to like and change his bio how he wants to. And in the end, I don't think too many people really have a problem with that. It's the message that he's trying to send, so I'm not trying to argue semantics here. Just saying we need to chill a little bit. If Marvin wants to be traded, like I said, I don't blame him. But at the same time, too, Monty McNair didn't draft him. So Monty McNair has no pressure to move the guy and try and save face for a move that he had nothing to do with. Meaning, if Marvin Bagley's value is as low as so many people believe it to be, where the guy is probably not even worth a late first-round pick, the best-case scenario in a straight-up trade is to go to a team with cap space that'll give you a second-rounder for him. If that's really the case... It is more than in the best interest of Monty McNair to keep Bagley here. Say, hey, you know what, Marvin? You're staying here. You can accept your qualifying offer or not. Whatever you want to do going forward, that's on you. But while you're here, you're going to come off the bench. You're going to play your ass off. You're going to continue to work. And if you really want to be traded, it's on you to raise your draft stock. We're going to give you minutes off the bench, but you're sure as hell not part of our core. We're not letting someone who clearly wants out to be part of our core or considered anywhere close to part of our core. I would admire Monty for taking that approach. But at the same time, don't misunderstand me. I believe Monty is using Marvin Bagley and this number nine overall pick, maybe even Buddy Heald as well, and is seeing what's out there. Marvin might get his wish, but Marvin probably was going to get his wish before doing this stuff and getting loose on social media. Now he may have made that wish more difficult to accomplish. This whole thing is silly. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's a waste of time. But unfortunately, it's a story. And now we're moving on from it.
because it's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And this has a little extra something to it. Robert Woodard II is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is the fantastic period that he had playing for the Austin Spurs in the Orlando G League bubble earlier this season. And we talked about it a little bit while it was happening, but I just want to remind you of some of the numbers of what Robert did during that time. He played in 12 games, started in six, averaged 31 minutes per game. He averaged 16.8 points, 11 rebounds, a couple of assists, and a steal a game. Remember, Robert is more known for his defense. Woodard was a defensive prospect who I believe can help this Kings team and has a chance to make the rotation next year. But on top of that, Robert went to the G League, an area where true NBA players typically showcase their game and are clearly a step above the rest. And not only did he play well defensively, he showcased his offensive ability as well. Still struggled from three-point range, only 21%. That number definitely has to come up, and that's an area that Luke Walton says Robert needs to improve his game. But shot 41% from the field, got a lot of his buckets inside, attacking the basket, getting out in transition, put back opportunities. Robert Woodard was fun to watch in the G League bubble. And on top of that, you are going to hear Robert Woodard talk about his G League bubble experience, plus his experience as a rookie, on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast. His numbers, his game, and hopefully tomorrow's conversation will bring you the joy, happiness, and enjoyment you expect from following your favorite team. Just like Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Remember, joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't just the end game, it's the whole game. Robert Woodard II will be on tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast and is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. If you haven't yet listened to yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast, I highly encourage you to do so. I had Rafael Barlow, one of the hosts of the Locked on NBA Draft podcast and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies on. Part one of our conversation yesterday was talking all about what players could be available at that nine range that the Kings should be interested in and specifically which players can come in and make the immediate impact to help this team make the playoffs that the Kings are looking for. On today's Locked on Kings podcast, part two of our conversation is going to focus on the possibility of trading that pick. Plus, we'll look at just this Kings situation as a whole uh, and how they can address their needs this offseason and how the NBA draft can be involved in that. So without any further ado, here is part two of my conversation with Rafael Barlow. This feels like the first draft in a long time where the Kings are not drafting to find a starter. Uh, right. they're, they're drafting to find someone who will just help this team win right away, which more than likely is coming off the bench. Now, if they develop into a starter long-term, uh, amazing, great, fantastic. But it's not like, okay, look through this group and, and find the player that's going to be available that will be able to slot into the starting lineup and become part of that core with Fox and, and Halliburton from day one, uh, which I, I think <laughs> is a different way for the Kings to approach this draft. But you alluded to something that I definitely wanted to talk about. You talked about the possibility of Buddy Heald being on the move. And Buddy is someone that it's become kind of a joke amongst the Locked On NBA hosts. I've been shopping Buddy for the last year and a half. I've been trying to to find a way for the Kings to move on from him. Uh, and it's difficult because Buddy is an elite shooter. He's not really good at anything else. He's fine at some things, but he's an elite shooter. And in the modern NBA, that has value. So you don't just want to give Buddy Heald away for nothing. But at the same time, too, he's owed 
20 million dollars next year 22 million next year and then the the contract de-escalates every single year very similar to how Harrison Barnes's does and right now Buddy Heald is significantly overpaid for what many believe is a a player capped out at being a a really good sixth man but probably not a starter at the NBA level so how do you boost the value of Buddy Heald to be able to move on from his contract and on top of that get something halfway decent in return well adding a draft pick to him potentially does that maybe adding this year's draft pick uh, can be the difference in the Kings trading Buddy Heald for scraps or trading Buddy Heald for a player that could be that contributor that they're waiting for so that's going to be a major storyline to follow is how aggressively do the Kings shop this pick and I expect the Kings to be involved in every single maybe not rumor because rumors are just dust in the wind but every single phone call that's happening behind the scenes for every team about a player of value I'm talking about Ben Simmons DeMontis Sabonis maybe even Pascal Siakam, even Kristaps Porzingis. I expect the Kings to be involved in those conversations and Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, and this draft pick to all be brought up. So I ask you, one, is that an interesting storyline that you're going to be following closely? And then two, in your mind, a, a number nine draft pick. It's in the top 10, so we know it has value, but we also know that this draft after the top five or top six kind of falls off a cliff a little bit. How much value do you think a number nine overall pick has this year compared to years past? Well, you know what? That's a good question because based off of the rosters today, it seems like outside of Oklahoma City, maybe Orlando, and maybe Houston, Detroit, and Detroit, every other team is trying to make the playoffs next year. Right. So with all that being said, that's where I think a number nine pick or even Buddy Hill has a lot of value because there's some general managers who need to make the playoffs to keep their jobs. And if, you, if Buddy Hill is your six man and you have, you know, your, your two main guys, then I think you could be a playoff team, you know? So um, it's tough. I mean, the Ben Simmons, the Ben Simmons to Sacramento, makes some sense um just depends on how low ben simmons value is but if i'm if i'm philly i'm gonna want halliburton in in the deal just because they would be without a point guard unless they get kyle lowry Mm -hmm. but that that could make sense there um yeah I, i don't know i mean like you look at washington maybe they would they would want to do something for for Buddy Hield. Yeah. Um, well, it's crazy because we're we're running through all these ideas in our head, right? But what you said there at the beginning, I think, is a hundred percent spot on. And I was thinking about this and looking at this even before the draft lottery itself. I'm looking at so many teams that are in the lottery position. I'm going, they're not far away. Like yeah. the Detroit Pistons, they get Cade Cunningham. They finally have their star. I believe the Pistons have still a ways to go, although I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest of the Pistons are the latest team to leapfrog the Kings in, in their rebuild, the endless rebuild for Sacramento that just does not seem to end. But so many other teams that missed out on the playoffs, you could easily see working their way in in both the West and Eastern conferences. So it feels like so many teams are going to be buyers, both in the trade market and in free agency here during this offseason, but they don't want to spend too much in order to acquire the players they're looking to buy, if that makes sense. It's a really odd position that I wonder how the Kings and other teams are going to work their way through. I think it could lead to either a really dull offseason or some major fireworks. 
I'm going to lean towards major fireworks. I mean, I look at a team like Charlotte. They already have their their guy who they feel like is going to be the face of the franchise. Franchise. They spent money on Hayward last year. Mm-hmm. And unless they are comfortable with Malik Monk, you never know. They Charlotte could be like, look, we know we're not going to get a big name in free agency. I mean, I guess you can say they got Hayward last year. But they been maybe willing to trade for a Buddy Hill. Now you got Lamelo, you got Buddy, and you got Gordon Hayward. Now you have, you know, a pretty decent backcourt. And in a situation like that, I think that allows Buddy to just do what he does best, which is knock down shots because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to play pick and roll. Which ironically, I, I live in Dallas, and I saw Buddy play pickleball maybe ten times last summer, and he was working on his point guard skills mm-hmm. all summer long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if it translated to the regular season, but it's something that he he wants to improve on. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you look at the team like the Lakers, they would love to have Buddy Hill, but they don't have the pieces to make it work. I'm sure Milwaukee would love a guy like Buddy, but do they have the pieces to make it work? Um, I mean, this, going back to the Pelicans, <laughs> right? did they have some pieces? So I don't. I don't know, man. It's uh, he does have value, and you know, like we said, there are a lot of teams that are like you feel like they're close that may pull the trigger on it. I just can't think of a deal that benefits the Kings. Yeah, and and that's the hard part is, is finding <laughs> the right deal that benefits the Kings that other teams are are generally interested in. That's going to be the issue both with Buddy Heald and I think Marvin Bagley throughout this offseason, which is why I think it's very possible that this pick is attached to them in some sort of package just to help sweeten that deal a little bit more. Before we wrap up our conversation, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag, the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's the MLB regular season going on right now, of course, the NBA playoffs, or even our bets surrounding the NBA draft, the NFL season coming up, UFC MMA action, golf, BetOnline has it all. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. And we have a resource here on the Locked On Podcast Network that is designed to just help you make money and it's completely free. I'm talking about the Locked On Bets podcast. Listen to that podcast. I guarantee you they will help you make smarter bets. Use their advice. You probably will find yourself richer for it. Head to betonline.ag on your mobile device or on their website. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. Make some money and have some fun on BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes like Fiat and Kia and models, Pacifica, XT5, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com offers all the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I know nothing about cars. Absolutely nothing about cars. But when I know what part I need, I go to rockauto.com. It's in my basket and on its way to my house within hours. It's amazing. 
Plus, it saves me a ton of money. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com But the last thing I wanted to ask you about, Raphael, and we actually talked about this a little bit after we went off the air yesterday, and it's the fact that four of the top five picks in this draft are going to the Eastern Conference. And we know how much talent is in the West overall, how much better or more difficult the West has been compared to the Eastern Conference. In your mind, with these, with top four of, of or four of the top five picks going to the Eastern Conference, is this a draft that we'll look back at maybe three, four years from now and go, man, this swung the, or at least balanced out the conferences a little bit more to see so many teams that were struggling in the East get these potential star players to build around that can change their franchise in a year or two? Possibly. It just seems like the top free agents are going to go west outside of, you know, New York City. I mean, you look at Harden and Durant went went west. Um, yeah, I mean, possibly. And it's funny because I never thought of it until it was mentioned at the end of the podcast. But yeah, I guess it really depends on free agency. You know, if Zion, you know, if those rumors are true that he's unhappy there, then I imagine he's going to look to go to you know one of the bigger markets so i don't know it possibly it'll be interesting to follow just one of the many things from this off season that yeah. the uh that all of us will have to pay attention to but especially you over at the locked on uh nba draft podcast all the great work that you do there on mondays and thursdays you can listen to rafael also uh check out his work with the nba draft junkies and, and rafael with mock drafts of yours that come out and more coverage that comes out we'll definitely be following that and sharing that with our listeners here on locked on kings especially if anything of anything has to do with the, the Kings potentially trading the pick yep. or, or finding the right player that would fit in Sacramento. Uh, and then I would love to have you back on after draft night itself so you can uh, analyze with me what the Kings decide to do, whether it's trade the pick or draft a player. We can talk about the fit and if the Kings made the right decision or not, at least right away. Yeah, no problem. I have a question for you. Yes, so how would you address the Kings front court issue I mean, I know Holmes had a good year yeah. and it was one of those situations where you were kind of hoping he didn't because it'd be easier to just move on. But he had a good enough year to where I think fans are going to want him back. So how would you address their their front court issues or what would the trade that you would like to see made? Well, not only do I I believe the fans want him back, I desperately want him back. I think he is an ide- ideal fit center uh, for the Sacramento Kings with how they want to play. Now, there are some people that say, well, if if, if um, Rashawn Holmes is your starting center, you're probably not a very good team. But if Rashawn were to be signed by the Dallas Mavericks, for example, or go to a team that is a playoff team, I think he would make a, a, a push, unless they already had like a solidified star in place, I think he'd make a p- push for the starting job pretty quickly. People would learn that, that Rashawn Holmes is a lot better uh, than than people realize. So I would right. love for the Kings to bring him back. The big question is, and this is where I'm kind of holding out hope, is what is his value going to be here during the offseason? Because we know some teams have some money to spend, but not a ton. And at the same time, too, the big man market in the free agents in free agency is just so weird. Some years they get a ton of money, other years they can barely get above a, a league minimum. So I know the Kings would like to not spend more than like. 13 to 15 million dollars a year for Rashawn. I know his camp is seeking 20. I have no idea if he's going to get that. I don't think he'll get that. 
but I think the Kings would rather put themselves in a position to move on from a contract like Buddies or even Bagley's, but especially Buddies, so that they have the money to comfortably re-sign Rishon and probably find a two-way player or two in free agency that they can plug in to help fill some of those holes as well. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, even if it means attaching this pick to Buddy Heald, if I can move Buddy and bring not as much salary back, bring a player that can be impactful right away and open enough money to be able to resign Rashawn Holmes, to me, I think that's a win for the Sacramento Kings this offseason. But you also don't want to risk running the same team back again and again and again when their absolute best is probably an eighth or seventh seed. Yeah, this is a tough situation for for the team to be in. Like Like I said... If you're a rookie, you look at this lineup, you're like, all right, how do I crack the starting five? Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a guarantee to come in and start. So, you know, are you going to get the developmental minutes? But at the same time, it's not an old team. It's not necessarily a young team either because, you know, people forget Buddy Hill was like 25 when he came into the league. Right. So he's got to be like 28 now. So I, I just feel like the team is in the a weird situation. I know it's been a long time since they've made the playoffs, but it kind of feels to me as an outsider that this is a very pivotal off season for the Kings. It very much is. They're at a, they're at a place of limbo where they've been kind of in the middle. I call it basketball purgatory and, and NBA purgatory basketball. Hell as some of affectionately called it here in Sacramento, but that's why I believe the decision to bring Luke Walton back right away. I actually approved of, Maybe not necessarily Walton being the head coach, but I approved of the Kings making that statement right away and then stepping up to the media and saying, look, we're going for the playoffs. It's playoffs or bust basically next year. That is the ultimate goal. They gave us the line. They didn't try and beat around the bush of, hey, we'd like to put ourselves in a position to get there, but ultimately we're just trying to get better. They didn't say that. It's no, we're trying to make the playoffs, which is why I think their approach to the draft is is pretty simple. It's If you can draft a player that you feel will come in and immediately make an impact, doesn't matter if he has a a super high ceiling or not or or a low floor, if you can bring a guy in that can be a difference maker right away, doesn't have to win rookie of the year, but will truly be a difference maker for a team that can make the playoffs, you push for that guy. And if that guy's not available, then you trade the pick. I think it's, it's really as simple as that. I could be simplifying it too much, but at least that's how I would try and approach this if I was the Kings. So the Kings are in a talent acquisition, go for the playoffs, but they don't have to massively scramble or gamble. They don't have to take a flyer on a player and, and mortgage their future by trading away a bunch of draft picks. I hope there's not that much heat on a general manager who's just in his second season, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think it is. <laughs> I, I think it is heat because, I mean, I heard uh, this was coming from an NBA coach, and one of the things that he mentioned to me was, Luke is fortunate that he's in a a market where ownership is a little tight with their pockets or else he would have been gone. Mm -hmm. So he's been giving the opportunity to make it work because at least this is what the the coach's opinion was, is that the owner doesn't want to pay two coaches. Well, what I can tell you is this. Uh, the Kings ownership has had a history of paying multiple coaches. They were, they paid George Carl, Dave Yeager, uh, at the same time, and then they were still paying Dave Yeager while they were paying Luke Walton right at the very beginning, and then 
now they're still paying for former general manager Vlade Divac uh, and and paying for Luke Walton, who's just going into his third season. So the, the Kings ownership, especially after a pandemic, but even before that, Kings ownership is tired of paying for multiple people when only a certain amount of them are actually working for the organization. So yes, that definitely had something to do with it. But I will say this, if the Kings don't make the playoffs this year, Luke Walton is, is gone. I don't think there's anybody denying that so that might affect how Luke is willing to give players playing time and what opportunity rookies could get here in Sacramento because if you're coming in and not helping this team immediately win I don't know how you're finding yourself into a rotation this I, I, I want to come on like after the draft and maybe even throughout the offseason because I, I I just want to see what ends up happening because it's like you said it's in this weird purgatory in a sense it's mm-hmm. a pivotal offseason well, Raphael, I thank you so much for joining me here on the Locked On Kings podcast today. I appreciate the conversation. appreciate all that you do over at uh, Locked On NBA Draft, which all our listeners should go and check out throughout the next month. I look forward to having you back on with me in the near future. And good luck over the next month, man. This is your favorite time of year, but I also know it's chaos for you, so I appreciate it. Anytime you want to have me on, just reach out, and, and I'll be a guest. I'll make it happen. Appreciate Raphael a ton for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. I look forward to doing that again. If you have anything that you want to respond to from our conversation, please do so at Matt George Radio on Twitter. You can also email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. If you want to follow Raphael, and I encourage you to do so on Twitter, it's at Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E 500. Check out all the great work that he does on the Locked on NBA Draft podcast and for NBA Draft junkies. You might have heard it if you listened to the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week earlier in this episode, but just in case you missed it, or if you want to hear it a second time, I don't blame you. Robert Woodard II, Sacramento Kings forward, is going to join me on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings. I'm so excited for this interview. He sat down with me for half an hour to talk about his experiences being a rookie in last season's strange COVID year. He talks about playing in the Orlando bubble at Disney World and playing for the Austin Spurs. The reps that he got there also talks about his goals and aspirations for this upcoming season. It's such a good conversation. You'll also learn a little bit more about Robert, who he is as a player, and a person, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And like I said, teasing this, you're not going to get a conversation like this anywhere else. Context that you just need to hear. Context that I was fascinated to hear interviewing him. He was such a good guy, gracious with his time. I was already a fan of his before the interview. I'm even more of a fan now. I can't wait for you to hear that discussion. So please tune in tomorrow on Locked on Kings so you can catch every second of that. If you want to respond to to my thoughts on Marvin Bagley and everything going on on social media there, if you have an opinion on it, good or bad, let me know. At Matt George Radio on Twitter, email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me and Robert tomorrow. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.